Hello, this is Terrence McNally. According to the Surgeon General, there are ample indicators that social media can have a profound risk of harm to the mental health and well-being of children and adolescents. Well, June's here. How about a weekly vacation from screens? In this 2019 conversation about her book, 24-6, Tiffany Schlein, filmmaker and internet pioneer, offers a strategy her family has employed for a decade, turning off all screens for 24 hours, one day a week. She says this practice has completely changed their lives, giving them more time, productivity, connection, and presence. What could it do for you? Hello, I'm Terrence McNally, and welcome to another newly recorded episode of Free Forum, A World That Just Might Work. I'm going to be speaking today with Tiffany Schlain, Emmy-nominated filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards, and author of 24-6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week. And you can learn more at TiffanySchlain.com. That's Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, Schlain, S-H-L-A-I-N, one word, TiffanySchlain.com. Uh, just to set up the program, since Trump's Electoral College victory, I've been doing a new interview every other week. Paul Hawken on climate change, Naomi Klein on her book, No Is Not Enough, Arlie Hochschild on her book, Strangers in Their Own Land and the Stories that Divide Us, Robert Wright on why he's a Buddhist. The show streams weekly on the Progressive Voices Network on TuneIn, and podcasts are available anytime, anywhere on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you call it, Potomatic.com, Google Play, etc., and at my site, uh, TerrenceMcNally.net, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E-M-C-N-A-L-L-Y.net. Now to today's guest. Tiffany Schlain writes, quote, We are living in the results of everyone being distracted, available 24-7, and the problem that this has created for our society, our children, our communities, our democracy, and ourselves are only growing. Well, you get no argument here. But along with her husband and two daughters, she's found a personal coping mechanism that is at the same time simple, radical, and traditional. And it's what they call a technology Shabbat, turning off all screens for 24 hours each week. Uh, 24 waking hours. <laughs> in her, <laughs> It's easy to do 24 hours in a week. Um, in her first book, 24-6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week, Shlaine shares her story, offers lessons uh, she's learned, and provides a blueprint for how to do it yourself and how to get your partner, your friends, your children, your boss on board with you. Along the way, she delves into the neuroscience, philosophy, psychology, and history of a weekly day of rest, long before the distractions were technology, uh, a weekly day of rest, the Sabbath, uh, across cultures, making the case for why we need to bring this ritual back. Honored by Newsweek as one of the women shaping the 21st century, Tiffany Schlain is an Emmy-nominated filmmaker and uh, the founder of the Webby Awards, the kind of Oscars of the, uh, of the uh, web. NPR named her UC Berkeley address as one of its best commencement speeches. And as I said, her first book, 24-6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week, is uh, just out. And you can learn more at TiffanySchlain.com. And you can follow her on Twitter at, at Tiffany Schlain. Welcome again, Tiffany Schlain, to Free Forum, a world that just might work. And let me tell people that we're recording this interview Wednesday, August 14th. Great to be back. I mean, I think the last time we had a deep dive was when my film, my feature documentary, Connected Without, which was 
a long time ago. It was. <laughs> eight years ago. Yes. So, yeah, eight years ago. So it's nice to reconnect in, in, with new new things to talk about. That's right. It was it was actually I looked it up and, and, and looked at that interview. It was September 2011, so almost wow. exactly eight years ago, and wow. and it's it's crazy because it certainly doesn't seem that long. And uh, and I've certainly been you know watching um, what you've been working on and 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 you know uh, stay in touch with you uh, through your quarterly um, breakfast at Maybe Tiffany's. Well, yeah. And then and then in, in all the other stuff that you're doing. So as you may remember from the last time, I like listeners to get a feel for the people behind the work and the ideas we talk about. So I'd like you to first introduce them to you talking about your path to the work you find yourself doing today. And so that they can get a sense of you, feel free to go way back. Mentors, turning points, <laughs> moments of decision, okay. that sort of thing. Um, I mean, let's go way back to the Apple IIe in the early 80s. I was super into computers, and when the first Mac came out in 1984, um, I just was fascinated with the potential because I had a modem, which I don't know if everyone can just dial back and remember before the web when all you could have was a dial-up modem and all you could connect to was the library at best. And um, from <laughs> from that... Another high school student and I in the 80s wrote this um, very simple proposal called Uniting Nations in Telecommunications and Software. And the concept was that personal computers with the modem could connect students all over the world for world peace. And basically, or, you know, to have global conversations about things that we share in common. And from that, I was invited to the Soviet Union as a student ambassador to talk about the power of personal computers. I find that incredibly ironic now mm-hmm. that I went to Russia to talk about computers connecting us um, <laughs> in light of the election hacking. Yeah. Um, anyways, and then I went to UC Berkeley. Um, I was supposed to be a doctor. Uh, I was given the book, The Making of a Woman Surgeon, on many occasions by my surgeon father, Leonard Schlein, <laughs> but I uh, wanted to become a filmmaker and... Um, the way I would pay for my documentaries is working in technology because I always was into technology. And I was going back and forth from film and CD-ROMs, if people can remember the CD-ROM industry. And I was working on a CD-ROM about Sting, and someone said to me, you have to see this thing called the web. There's people all over the world on a thing called a website, and they're all talking about how much they love Sting's music. And I was like, that's, that's what I was hoping for in high school. And then shortly after that, um, I created the Webby Awards um, in the early days of the web and had great hopes for this decentralized network to connect people. And, um, you know, ran the Webby Awards for almost a decade and then wanted to go um, back to filmmaking combined with the power of the web. So I started a film studio in San Francisco. You know, I've had a lot of films at Sundance and really experimented a lot with using film plus the web to have global conversations about issues like gender equality and um, the neuroscience and social science of character development and 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 have made a lot of films about technology and science. So you could say that I've really been focused on this issue of um, technology, what does it mean to be human, when does technology amplify us, and when does it amputate us? (laughs) And definitely lately I've been increasingly concerned about how um, how we're using the smartphones, how corporations are using us to use the smartphones, and how elections are being manipulated, and how distracted we all are. So 
I think that's like the 30,000 foot view. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, um, I had two kind of very dramatic events happen within weeks of each other, which is my father died and, and my husband and I had a daughter and it really shook me awake. Like, what are we doing on screens? We only have a short time on the earth. What are we doing here? You know, why are we just staring at these screens when there's someone we love right in front of us? So we, my husband, um, Ken Goldberg and I, and our, at that point we had two daughters, we started um, turning off all screens one day a week for what we call our technology Shabbat. And what really started it is I'm part of this group that did a national day of unplugging called Reboot. And it was kind of a ceremonial one day a year event, but we did it that first year and it felt so good. Um, we never stopped doing it. So it's been almost 10 years now and it's changed, really changed our lives. And obviously I love technology, but I love being off technology and I, I walk around now and everyone's just staring at their screens and um, and being distracted. And it's, when you're this distracted, it's really hard to do big picture thinking. So I I do think it's the reason why we have our president right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I no, no again no argument there. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. I want to fill in a few blanks there. Let's talk just a bit more about the Webbies. Um, how did they start? And what was your hope? And do you think they, mm-hmm. they, they have or do make a difference? So the Webbies, you know, that was when the web, if you can just try to remember, like no one knew what the web was. And, and a lot of people were, it was like this alternative medium. And it, wasn't, it was only us nerds that were using the web at the time. So I was trying to create a framework that was accessible and understandable, like an award show, and kind of organize it. So we had categories like art and sports and film and science and we had a weird category back then. It was a lot of weird stuff on the web. And it, I think it gave a framework, and we started an International Academy of um, International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences with all these different luminaries from fields to kind of help judge and honor this young medium and say this is the standard of excellence and, you know, push and inspire people to go beyond that each year. So I felt like in those early years we were really kind of honoring the pioneers and pushing it further to be better. And and my hope, which I think all the early web people, is that it was this amazing decentralized tool that was going to connect us in all these new ways and allow us to create. And, and, of course, it has done so much of that. But what I think I never expected, I never, never expected, was everyone would be just staring at screens all the time and not being present in the real world. And I also, the moment that, the web became very centralized, so that you know Facebook and when corporations started selling the data and really using that as their business model, the advertising model. And um, so, when the web web went from decentralized to centralized, I think that's when things really shifted and people are being manipulated beyond what they understand. And the great documentary on Netflix called "The Great Hack," which I highly recommend. And it really shows how, with the Cambridge Analytica scandal, um, you know, how manipulated our election was and how much our data sets are in the black market being sold. And and it really shows all these elections around the world and how they're being affected. So there's both on a personal level, I think we're distracted and on the screens too much. And and then there's on a kind of family level, then there's on a a school level, a community level, and then a, a democratic democracy level. Um, and I have this simple practice that we've been doing that I feel like has brought such 
balance back into our lives, and it, it gives me the space to reflect and, and recalibrate each week how I'm using my tech. So it has this built-in quality where once, you know, Friday night, we're Jewish, but I'm not a religious person. We're not religious. So we're not doing it for religious reasons. And to be honest, I, I kind of only thought, I didn't grow up doing Shabbat, my husband did, but I really felt like doing a full day of Shabbat, which is what the traditional Orthodox Jews are really observant Jews, a whole day of no work. And they read Torah and they rest. And in my mind, because I wasn't going to do that, it, it didn't feel available to me. Mm-hmm. But I think at the heart of what the Sabbath and Shabbat are about is about being present and doing a whole day something different. And so we do kick it off with a Friday night Shabbat meal with family and friends, and all the screens go off at that point, and then they're off for 24 hours. And it is like this, our favorite day of the week, and it's amazing. I mean, I just I do such different kinds of thinking on that day. And I think it's a different kind of thinking that we've really lost, where, you know, so often now when I read anything I read in the book, prompts me to think of something, I want to go on the smartphone, and then I'm down the rabbit hole, and I'm, I'm off to the races, I'm never back. And on this one day a week, I think very deeply, I journal, I'm hanging out with my family, I laugh a lot more, I sleep a lot better, it's like, wow, this is available to me and everyone, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so easy and free and radical, and just do it, it's, gonna, it's so life-changing. And again, when we started doing it, I didn't know how long we were going to do it, and I didn't imagine how crazy everyone would continue to get with the screen. So it felt like this: these two lines, like the longer we've done it, the more profound it's become. And the longer we've done it, the more everyone's got their head down everywhere. Yeah, um, no, when, when I interviewed you in September 2011 on Connected, you were already doing it. Um, right, so that, and, that's and if so one, interesting. So that's when we had started doing it way back then. Yeah, in other words, if people even remembered how different the problem looked, Ten years ago, um, you know, the, the yes. whole thing of I mean, I, I was going to say that when the first line when I interviewed uh, 10 years ago was, is the Internet and our 24-7 culture? Notice 24-7 was in the first line. <laughs> now 24-6 is in the first line. But in our 24-7 culture of connection to and through screens, our doom or our deliverance, you know, set it up, doom or deliverance. <laughs> That's a great opening line. <laughs> and, and if one looks at the 10 years in between, uh, I think that, that, that doom or deliverance question has really been amplified hugely. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, yeah, and I think that's important is that, listen, technology is an extension of us. That's the Marshall McLuhan, exactly. you know, philosophy. It is us. It is an extension of us, and we are good, bad, and everything in between. But I think people don't feel empowered because they're not thinking of it that way. They think it's this, oh, I'm addicted to this thing. But people should feel agency and empowered that they can rise up and control how they use it, or else it's going to be using you. Yeah. And that's the way, I think that's what we've gotten to, is people are being manipulated and addicted. I mean, it's like a thousand engineers focused on addicting you. How can you compete with that? Well, you can, you know, I believe in humans. <laughs> I know, <laughs> humans I know. Can, I know, you know, right, no, so. no, and it's, it's, it's what I, when I think, you found it as a refuge years ago. You found it uh, this this experience that that was meaningful and 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 tweaked the way you approached everything. And yet, the um, 
The corp. What's what's uh, there's a book out now. What's being referred now is uh, surveillance capitalism. Oh, it's so good. I'm in the middle of it. Oh, okay. There it's you go. A, it's amazing. It's it's a thick book. I think it's like 600 pages. <laughs> I think the way it feels. It's so good, though. She's brilliant, and it's all about what we're talking about. Yeah. Right, right. And I interviewed um, uh, uh, T-Bone Burnett recently um, <laughs> about his uh, his um, keynote at the uh, South by Southwest. And his keynote, if if you if you weren't there and you and you haven't seen it, yeah, is, I didn't hear it. Okay, yeah. it's worth looking up because the the the, this, okay. the both the transcript and the audio is online, and it's really really powerful. Um, and it's about this, uh, about this mm. problem about surveillance capitalism, which is where I first heard of the book. But um, mm. what I'm saying is that when when you first began doing the Shabbat, there no one had figured out yet that that business model. I don't think. And and so right. the, the, the it was kind of when you were saying, you know, we need to have agency. We need to be able to know it's ours to turn off and on and use to a, that was that was more in a way more true then. Uh, it's still true. Yeah. But now, as you say, the, the the you know, some of the smartest young minds in the world are working to uh, to addict you. Um, right. and, and to sell your information and so on. Let me just read a couple of quotes from uh, T-Bones. <laughs> um, oh, I can't wait to listen to his keynote. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, it is clear that what was begun as a mission, and this sounds so like uh, our conversation ten year, eight years ago, it is, mm-hmm. it is clear that what was begun as a mission to connect and unite mankind is mutated into a pernicious distortion machine that has disconnected mankind and put us at each other's throats and in doing so has destroyed and is destroying institutions and knowledge that have taken centuries to develop. We've entrusted them with our most intimate data and they are not worthy of that trust. They have betrayed Mm. our trust by engineering their platforms to be addictive and by making enormous fortunes surreptitiously selling those data that we have unknowingly handed over to them for free. And he goes on then to say that Facebook uh, is worth somewhere around $475 billion, Google around $785 billion, so about a trillion and a quarter dollars. And their product, besides all of their technological uh, genius, is our data. Yes. Um, yes. So we're not, yeah. we're not, we're not, um, we're not Pollyanna here. But, uh, but. Well, and I'm also not completely and I mean, I have a whole chapter in the book, um, on social media because, right, if you just listen to what T-Bone just said, you wouldn't be on anything, right? <laughs> Why would you be on anything? But here's the rub is that there's so many of these tools that are also ways to disseminate those ideas. Exactly. From surveillance capitalism. And if you have a book or if you have a film or, so it has connected. It has connected, you know, over half the world, and that's that's real. So how do we wrestle with this issue and say, what is making humanity better? What's making it worse? And what do we need to do about it? And in the book, I like I said, I kind of I do big picture on how profound the day of rest when it was first introduced thousands of years ago. I kind of go into the labor movement time on and time off and how we, we are now on 24-7 and what are the implications of that. But towards the end of the book, I go into what I think needs to happen. Um, and also, I'm making a my film studio, we do this global day called Character Day, which right. looks at 
one's character development, the neuroscience and social science of developing who you are. And this year, the whole focus is going to be your character and screen use. Mm. When does being on screens enhance who you are and when does it diminish it? And when should you turn them off? Because through all the research, so many character strengths, empathy and creativity and curiosity, all these things get turned on when you turn off that screen. And I think we forgot, we felt like we're living completely on the screen now and we've forgotten how much comes from daydreaming and how comes how much comes from like deep thinking and and not having so much input at every second and, and processing what's already in your mind. So for Character Day this year, um, which I encourage all your listeners to sign up, it's free and we had over 200,000 groups last year and we provide films and resources and we'll be discussing this deeply. Um, and this year we've making six short films and one of them is Dear CEO, it's like one minute long. One's dear legislature, one minute long, dear parent, dear youth, dear fellow human. And they're all addressing everything we just talked about in these very directed ways of what's the problem, what's something you can do. Because it's it's real. And we're I think like when when people find out about the book, it's almost like I I think it is top of mind. I'm on the screens too much, my kids are on the screen, my partner's on the screen too much. I think everyone's thinking about it and everyone's worried about our country, you know, everyone in my world and probably your world. But, um, okay, what do we do? We, we created this tool. We had great hopes for it. There's so many beautiful parts to it. And how do we rise up and say yes? And there are so many parts that are not healthy, that are a detriment to our society, to our relationships. And what are we going to do? And the, and, there's a multi-prong approach of what we need to do, but one that everyone can do this week, and it'll already start feeling better, and you'll already get more big-picture thinking time, is to turning off the screens for a full day. I mean, I know a lot of people say, oh, I did it on my vacation. It felt so great. Or Now I'm doing it before I go to bed. Great. Those are all great. <laughs> but I promise that building in a ritual of one day every week will be will, will feel I can't even describe to you how much it brings clarity on um, what's important on the little things and also on the big things and more clarity on, I think, what we need to do. Because we don't, we don't have the space to, we're, we're bombarded with stressful headlines and tweets and notifications and it's like designed to keep you just like buzzing around where mm-hmm. you can't have a complete thought. Yeah. It's interesting. You made the point that... Technology is extensions. We tend to talk about technology as separate from us. And McLuhan, as you point out, said technology offers extensions of us and our abilities. We also tend to talk about nature as separate from us when, of course, we are right. part of nature. So there's obviously, to me, a foundational understanding of that we are our technology in a way and we are and we are nature and that there's this the separation is what makes us feel alone powerless um etc etc yuval noah harari the author yeah. of sapiens and 24 mm-hmm. lessons for the 21st century etc believes that the three greatest threats to society and the planet are nuclear weapons climate change and technological disruption and that all three This is what's interesting to me. All three demand cooperation on a global scale to confront, Mm -hmm. and yet politically, we're in a moment 
where cooperation is under attack. That is to say, Mm -hmm. alliances are under attack. Trusting the other is under attack. You know, uh, all of that sort of thing. And so I think this is this is what we are dealing with right now is we have to uh, the thing that um, separates us from our machines. And now I just said we're 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 they're extensions of us. But what separates us from them is our human ability to cooperate, our human ability to socialize and all of that sort of thing. And and that at, at this moment, we need that more than ever. And yet, uh, one other thing I wanted to, to reflect on was you, you mentioned, um, I, I believe, Sherry Turkle. When I interviewed her on Alone Together, and I mm-hmm. asked her, she is like you, but but for a longer period because she's a, 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 a little bit older, has been you know looking at the relationship of technology and society. And I said, well, what surprised you, right? And it's it's interesting. She said that. I knew when I wrote like book number two about all this, Alone Together was book number three, that people were spending – some people were spending too much time in front of their screens playing video games. Some people were playing too – spending too much time in front of their screens. She says what I hadn't anticipated was that the screen would become 24-7, that it would be – that once it got on the phones, that 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 was a – if you will, a quantum leap, a, a state shift from having to choose to sit down in front of your computer versus having the, that screen with you at all times. And I think, right. and I that's agree. sort of what I was yeah, saying. That, that is was that 2007. Eight, I mean, that, right. eight I wrote years about ago. that in the book. I love Sherry's work. Yeah. And yes, and that was the moment. I mean, it was the moment you could take it with you. I mean, people, the, the, profound nature of the smartphone combining. I mean, do you remember the pilot and the stylus? You know, it used to be you had your calendar oh, and yeah. your phone. Yeah. Or your contacts, your calendar, and your phone. That was it. The minute the iPhone came out and you brought the web with you, you could have that hit of distraction or entertainment at any moment. I mean, that's when everything changed. And that, you know, I... I so our older daughter who's now 16, when she was graduating from fifth grade um, six years ago, six or seven years ago, every parent was getting their kid a smartphone for fifth grade graduation, except us. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think there's one or two other families who were like, ah, uh-uh, no, 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 no. She yeah. can get a flip phone, and yeah. I'm not even sure if she needs that. And yeah. Anyways, we were such outliers. We were such outliers. Like, why get a supercomputer for this fifth grader? Like, why? you just got a laptop at home. She... Why does she need that? And, um, again, we were outliers. Everyone's like, oh, she's going to be left out of the fabric of the social <laughs> and all this stuff. I think it was the best decision we ever made. She had a flip phone up until freshman year in high school and doing just fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then our younger daughter, um, that there is a sea change, and it's hopeful because um, about two years ago I heard there was a woman in Austin um, a mother uh, who started an initiative called Wait Until Eighth, which is like Wait Till Eighth Grade. And I'm like, who is this woman? I called her. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I'm getting counseling. I'm saying it. And then it kind of introduced to our school. I'm on the advisory board now. And uh, like any parent, they, they're like, what? You can sign a pledge with other parents? And it's like sweeping the country. And it's called waittillaith.org. There's all these great resources. But I think parents, because all the research is coming out, and they're just seeing it with maybe their older kids or, you know, why should, you know, that moment that Sherry, that we're talking about of the smartphone, do we really think a young developing mind 
who is at the most valuable point of neuroscience. I mean, it's like birth to five years is an extreme, you know, huge growth. And then this other period where we're talking about, you know, fifth grade onward, do they need a supercomputer when it's driven to addict? So that is a hopeful signal I can just point out is tons of parents are signing this all over the country. And I think it's because they saw, wait, I'm I'm addicted. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to addict my kid so early? Yeah. Um, Anyways, but and, and I didn't mean to interrupt. You were talking no, about no, no. Parker, I, who I love her work. Yeah. And no, no, I was just saying friends and, yeah. that, that when you began, although the, the smartphone existed uh, when you began the uh, technology Shabbat, yeah. um, it, was, it, was, it was still, I don't think at that point, that thing that everyone right. was kind of on it all the time. It was still gauche. It was still gauche to pull out your phone. That's like, right. Now I look around. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, it was gauche to pull it out on a table. Now it's like everyone's got it at the table. Actually, at my film studio, we have a new rule. After I did this book and I read all the research <laughs> that it takes 23 minutes to regain your flow when you've been interrupted. Um, and just seeing someone else's smartphone off on the table will distract you. All cell phones are now in bags, zipped up. You check them on your brakes because it just creates an environment of distraction. Just looking at someone else's turned off smartphone, you're not going to be as focused. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me, I want to talk yeah, about my, my own situation because I think it's, uh, why not? I've got, I've got someone who's been, uh, Who's who's been deep into this for years? I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put like my Lucy right. like five oh, cents Lucy sign five up right cents now. hat. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so I visited an old friend recently, and just as I was leaving for the airport, so it wasn't a conversation we fleshed out, but both of us shared that we were both concerned about a couple of things that we worry about, what we hadn't really talked about much, and so it's not just me. Okay, first, too much time disappearing in front of our computer screens. Okay, hours mm-hmm. pass. Um, I say I'm just going to look up something for research. I'm just going to check the weather. I'm just going to check yeah. the directions. I'm just going to check the traffic. And then I get oh. caught and I lose track of time. Now, the other one that's related is that I don't hold down a full-time job and I'm not bringing up kids right now. Okay, And yet okay. it is very common at the end of the day for me to feel that I fail to accomplish enough and that I'm somehow further behind. Hmm. I, I'm not sure what I'm behind, but it's that feeling that... <laughs> that I, that's a great okay. way to frame it. You know? Because we're losing a lot of time. I think that's real. Like, we're... The quality of time when we spend online... I, I ran into this woman. I wish I knew her name. She was a photographer at some event, and she's like, it's just like refined sugar. You're high on it, and then you crash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, that's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because... The time spent on the screen, a lot of it is, is stressful, it's FOMO, it's time lost. And, um, you know, I, I do this practice now, you know, in the book, in addition to kind of talking about all the ins and outs of doing a tech shabbat, I also talk about little things mm-hmm. throughout the other six days. Mm-hmm. And when Trump got elected, um, I was so stressed out, like everyone, and I was waking up to the New York Times app on my smartphone. And that's what I was reading when I was drinking my coffee. And I, my amygdala, I'm just like stressed out of my mind the, every morning. That's how, like, you were, that's how you I were starting he, your day. No, <laughs> starting my day. And he's controlling the way I feel, or not he. Yeah. I am allowing yep. the news cycle, which is driven to be fearful, 
to um, frame my day. And I'm a big journal writer, and I normally do all my journaling on text Shabbat. Um, so I thought, you know what? I got this thing called a five-minute journal, and it's actually it's made for people that don't like to journal, that don't feel like <laughs> they have the time, but although I'm a big journaler. But the concept is you write three things in the morning that you're grateful for, as specific as possible, and three things that would make today great. And it's like six lines total. And I drink my coffee and I do that. And oh my, and I don't look at my phone. So I spend my day framing my day. So I'm thinking about what's going to happen that day. And I'm thinking about what I'm grateful for, which has been so much research on how much that makes your mood improve. And it has just changed everything by not letting my inbox or the news headlines start my day. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of little practices that speak to what you and your friend were concerned right. about at the airport that. Right. Yeah, if you don't build in this stuff, there's a thousand engineers designed to keep you on that screen. That's right. And, and by the way, <laughs> by the way, I think you are minimizing how many engineers there are. Okay. Let's I'm think about it. Notes. Let's yeah. come on. Google has 30,000 employees. Um, there are, as I sort of, as I said before, the best minds of a right. younger generation are actually, you know, they are working to, and, and what, what's interesting is, um, I know you, you've, you've done research over the last few years into positive psychology and so on, but all of yeah. what we've learned about brain science, what we've learned about dopamine, what we've learned about the reward uh, cycles in the brain and so on, the, the um, people went in the, in the late 20th century when people bemoaned television and advertising and how people right. – we'd become a consumer society because we were manipulated. That was – um, nothing compared to what's going on now, because now we have the same motivation, if you will, you know, we advertising and 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 and, and so on, but armed with the, the, the a much more understanding of how the brain works, and then the technology to tap into it at an unconscious level. I mean, I can remember. Um, when subliminal advertising, right, was right. was was oh that was a scary so threat. That was such yeah. a, such a scary threat. Well, this is all subliminal advertising. This is all mm. triggering responses at a level that you cannot even detect. Let me tell people this is free form, a world that just might work. I'm Terrence McNally. I'm speaking with Tiffany Schlain, Emmy nominated filmmaker, founder of the Webby Awards, author of Twenty Four Six: The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week, and you learn more at TiffanySchlain.com. That's Tiffany, just the way it sounds, and then Schlain, S-H-L-A-I-N. Hello, this is Terrence McNally. You're listening to my 2019 conversation with Tiffany Schlain about the practice in her book 24-6, The Power of Unplugging One Day a Week. Um, I, I wanted to say one other thing about my own situation, which is kind of strange, which is that I have never yet become a heavy user of social media. I, mm. I use it, but not heavy. I might look at Facebook uh, every two or three days. Um, uh, Twitter, you know, maybe every couple of days. Um, I also, when I'm out and about with my phone, it doesn't come out. I'm, it's it's For me, it's when I'm sitting at my desk, right? My wife calls me Mr. Moderation. Because mm. I have little trouble with most of the behaviors and habits that a lot of people have trouble with. Um, mm. 
the other That's night. Great. Yeah, I mean, it just happens, you know, whether it's alcohol or sugar or, you know, all these things. It's like I go, oh, that's enough. You know, she she says, you will take out and have two spoonfuls of ice cream and one cookie and you'll be fine. You know, I, I when, May we all get your DNA. That's right. Potato <laughs> chips. I can eat just one. OK, um, but the other night she was reading Cal Newport's work on deep work. Oh, yeah. OK. And she mm-hmm. came into my office and she said, I figured out what you don't have control of. I figured out mm. what you're addicted to. It's the computer. So it's this weird mm. hybrid that it's not that if you see, see, it's, it's one way it allows me to keep it secret. When I'm out in society, I'm not bent over looking at my phone. I look, you know, mm. like I'm someone who doesn't have that problem. And yet mm. I will, as I say, I'll sit down to get the directions to something and an hour later, you know, I'll be, cause it, cause, cause it, has that weird feeling, and this is something that you talk about, that I'm getting information which which might be useful, uh, which makes me a more sophisticated, uh, you know, un, uh, gives me a more sophisticated understanding of what's going on in the world, blah, blah, blah. But the, the, that's one way of phrasing it. The other way of phrasing it is that I've been sitting there now for two hours, and what I've been telling myself at some point was work was actually just procrastination or distraction or that sort of thing. And so um, besides the Shabbat, which we have now talked about, we're going to do our how often, when are we going to do it, for how long? Let me ask you that. If we were going to do our first one, right, is, mm-hmm. is 24 hours a good a – good, uh, Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm super excited you're going to do it. And for the book coming out, we are inviting everyone to do it with us for four Saturdays in a row. And it's so much more fun to do things with other people, as always. Um, So the book comes out on September 24th. And then Character Day this year is the 27th. And basically, we're inviting people to try, that's a Friday, on that night to unplug with us, with your family, with your partner, with your friends, and do it for a full day and do it for four weeks in a row. And I'm going to check in with people. How did it go? What do you need to adjust? You know, we're going to have check-ins in the middle of the week. And because it's all about building the habit of it. Mm -hmm. And that's a key part that we're trying to communicate or that I'm trying to communicate with the book. And so we're going to do it on mass. So I invite you in your life to, you can go to characterday.org and, it walks you through how to sign up, and then we'll have all these cool resources and things to do on your text about how to plan it, what to tell your friends, what to tell your family, get a landline, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then the book, you know, the book really goes a deep dive on all the things that can come up and how to prepare and how to make it the best day. I mean, it's our favorite day of the week. It's not, we're not giving up something. It literally is our favorite day because we're doing all the things that, you don't really do anything because you could be on your phone or, or you do it in a focused way that feels really different. So, um, you know, the book will have a lot of information for you and I invite you to do it with just tons of people, millions of people all over the country and world on starting on September 27th. Okay. Let me, let me just put that in context too, which is kind of interesting, which is that the week prior to that, September 20th, is when uh, Greta Thunberg and the global climate change movement and 350.org are calling for a general strike. That's the 20th of September. And then Mm. they say also the 27th for people who couldn't do it on the 20th or who, you know, uh, something else is different also on the 27th. So that's 
th- those are those two days of that general uh, action on climate change. And then comes the night and one can slide right into. Um, so what it also means is that your character day is sort of the end of this week of the climate change um, general strike. I love that. So, so that I'm should so be. You told me that. I didn't know that. Day so now you can. You can I, it's s- beautiful because, you know, one of the things that's really great to do on a text Shabbat is like, you know, what are things you want to like think about? Or yeah. focus? There's so many ways we don't have time or the space to really go into it. And having this space to think about the environment. I mean, that we are always out in nature on text Shabbat or in the garden or swimming or it's such a day filled with nature that doesn't involve screens, which is so great. Take a walk without your phone. That feels miraculous. No one can get to you. Um, but I like kind of merging these yeah. thinking. So you're, you're right. You made that beautiful point is we think of tech as separate from ourselves and we think of nature as separate from ourselves and they're not. <laughs> it's all one thing. And, and we should feel the agency that we can do something about it with our tech use, with the way we're treating the environment. We, are incredible human beings if we live up to our potential and take the time and thinking about what we need to do instead of reacting every second. Um, so I love that that's yeah. around the Yeah, so I'm just time. saying this all fits together very, very well. So, again, if people want to uh, join you in, in, in this kind of beginning their practice as you're, as you're renewing yours, um, characterday.org. Yeah, and, you know, it's... Um, the fall is always, I mean, if you, if you have kids, you're in the back to school, which always is like a fresh start. And, you know, I'm Jewish, so it's like high holidays. What do you, what do you want to do differently this coming year? And I think the fall is a wonderful time to kind of rethink, you know, what are the things you're doing that feel good and what do you want to change? And certainly building in a practice that makes you feel better is a good way to start with this texture button. Again, it's, it's so simple to do. And, I think people, there's a lot of fear, like, oh, my gosh, how are people going to get in touch with me? What? Are, and um, it's, it's such a liberating feeling when you realize that you don't need permission to tell everyone in your life, you know, I'm going to take 20 hours completely off just to recharge. I'm going to feel better. You tell your boss, I'm going to be so much better this coming week. I need to not be available for one day this weekend. Um, and these are all kind of things I go into detail in the book on how to bring this for real into your life. And, and I mean, one thing that, that as I was preparing for this that just kept coming up for me was how new this phenomenon is. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard to a couple of times, but, but that we would go, well, how can I do that? How can I be off screen? Well, I know. Well, I know. Rem- remember the first 30 or 40 or depending how old you are, 50 years of your life, <laughs> you know, depending. You, you, you survived. It, no, I mean, people, it's so funny when uh, uh, parents will say, well, I have two kids in the soccer. I mean, how do I, what do, I do? And, I have to, and I'm like, you know what you do? Friday afternoon, you print out the schedule. And you tell the team you're going to be there, or if you need to make, if you have lots of plans on Saturday. But I really try to not make a lot of plans on Saturday if I can, right? Because it's not about, you know, Friday night is a have people over for dinner. It's a beautiful ritual to do that around the table, eye contact. But then, if you do have plans on Saturday, although it's it's nice to just be more quiet that day, um, just make a plan and then just do it. You're not gonna, you, actually you'll stick to your plan more than if you have the phone on late. I. I all these texts, I'm parking, I'm, who cares? Like, just show up. 
<laughs> right. People right. don't need a blow by blow on your every. Right. And, 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 and if you're one of those people that has become uh, reliant on ways or Siri or whoever to get you where you're going and, you know, avoid every accident, uh, you're going to have to maybe leave five minutes earlier, you know, if, yeah. if you don't have yeah. to, just like you used we to. We all existed. We all existed without the smartphone. It's actually kind of fun. I mean, we love it for our kids. Of, you know, we'll have a question and we're like, huh. I guess we're just going to have to wonder. We can't look it up. And then right. we walk into our library. Which book is going to be able to answer this question? It is so fun. It's like, this is how you do it. This is yeah. how we used to do it. Yeah. And it's good to remember how to do that, too. Right. And then one thing that you share, which I think is comforting probably to people, is that come Saturday morning, you're ex- – I mean, not Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Saturday come, night. Come Sunday – Saturday night. Yeah, right, right. F- 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 since you do it – you do it as the as the old – Jewish Shabbat, which is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So Saturday night, you're excited. We're, we're psyched to go back online. I mean, it has this dual effect every week where every week I'm excited to go off. I can't I rush towards it. I'm so excited to just not be available to the whole world. And then Saturday night, I'm excited to reconnect and see what's happened and write to a friend. And, it, and so you reappreciate this amazing tool called the Internet and this amazing device that can do anything. So... It has a dual effect, and I think they're both very important for us to kind of figure out this moment we're in, which is when is it good, when is it not? When is it good to do it on screen, when is it better to do it in person, mm-hmm. when is it better to have that screen off? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 what it does is, although, as we said, there are people working as hard as they can to make it so you don't do that. To make it to make it so that the inevitability of 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 the automaticity of it is 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 uh, you know is what there is like you are a fish in water and what it is is all this is you you can still take a step back you can still take a breath you can still take control of these things um, let me ask you. Um, a big question, and we'll see. We've got about uh, 10 minutes left. We'll see whether this takes us through the end or not. Tiffany Slane, you're standing in the future, 10 or 15 or 25 years from now. So um, we're talking, say it's 2020, so 2040, 2045. You're looking back over the past 25 years did humanity turn things around in terms of authoritarianism, in terms of climate change, in terms of the threat of nuclear war, in terms of exploitation and inequality? And if they did, how did we do it? So, in, so it's not what do we do tomorrow to get us on that path. It's mm-hmm. if we did it, what are, what, how did it happen? What's that story? Hmm. I mean, I really think part of that story, it's not the whole story, but part of that story is having the space to think about how to turn this around. And that, to me, is this very simple thing of taking a day where you have the space to think and reflect, because we're living in such a reactive time. I mean, well, to first answer your question, you know, I love history. My father loved history. And if you look back 100 years, which is a good swath of time to look at, Things have greatly improved for women's rights, uh, racial, you know, 
although it's definitely not there in this country, but it's further than it was 100 years ago. Um, it's improved in 100 years. If you looked at all the big issues that we care about, it has improved. Now, is progress always like two steps forward, one step back? I would think we're in that one step back. Mm-hmm. But my husband and I like to call ourselves optimists, which is an optimist with the healthy dose of skepticism. But yep. if you look at history and if you believe in humanity and in humans that we are progressing, which I do believe, I do think we are going to go in a good direction. I always think there's going to be forces that are going to try to take it in a different way. And you only have to look at history to see that. But, you know, you have to believe that we can work our way out of this. You, ha- I, don't know, I don't know how you would get up in the morning if you didn't. Right. And so what I'm proposing here is a really simple step that you can do personally that can um, give you the space to do the bigger picture thinking. Um, to make bigger changes because we need to make a lot of changes right now and how are we going to get there? And I don't believe we're going to figure that out when we are pinged and notified and buzzed every second and like a gnat. That's the way I feel people are acting like, or, or ostriches. That's the other thing that heads in the sand. So I guess I, and, and I have to say, it's not like I've got this all figured out. I mean, the other, there's times when I'm traveling, I'm on that phone too much, I'm like, ugh. But I have that interior monologue of, like, Tiffany, turn it off. And, or you get two more days and you're going to turn it completely off and reset. Mm-hmm. And just having that has been amazing. So it's not like, oh, I've achieved digital perfection, but I know that this practice for myself, my husband, our two daughters, and one who's a teenager now, there are huge benefits that we all feel and talk about um, all the time. So Tiffany Schlein, standing, as I said, 15 to 20 years out, looks back and said, you know, that kooky thing that my family started doing, it caught on. And people, <laughs> I would love that. People started doing it. And once they started finding that they could get along without it, then they began to get more control over it. And they gave themselves, I mean, see, I think one thing that what you find is going from, because I, I met, referred to it a few times, was that, you know, 10 years ago or so, it, the problem looked different because we didn't have the 24-7. Well, you, you know, I, yeah, but one thing you said, so the kooky thing, it's not so kooky because it's based on this Jewish tradition that's over 3,000 years old. And when you read some of the writing about the need for Shabbat, like 60 years ago, by Abraham Heschel, you are like, is he writing about today? It's as if he's writing about today. Yeah. So I am really not doing, I am really just updating a very old idea, and I'm updating it for those who are not religious or who are not Jewish. (laughs) I want Shabbat to be like yoga and meditation, which are two things I do to bring balance and peace back into my life, but I don't subscribe to those faiths. Mm-hmm. And I want Shabbat, the concept of a tech Shabbat, to be something like, oh, yeah, I need this. It's going to make my life better. And there's great wisdom here I can learn from about being presence and gratitude and focusing on things that matter. So I'm looking to the wisdom of this deep, this very old practice that was really about one day every week it's important to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And if, even if you look at the labor movement, yes. um, they fought bloody battles on the streets of Chicago for a weekend. Yep. And now we're just 
I mean, I, there's one study that like 63% of people feel like they need to be available to their boss on the weekend. And it's not healthy. It's just not healthy to be this available to everything and everyone at every moment. So what I'm really trying to bring forth is a very old practice in an updated way that I think can really help the people in the situation we're in. And you're right. It's only been 10 years of it. But wow, look at what's happened in 10 years. Yeah. By the way, when I grew up, and I grew up in uh, Florida. When I grew up, uh, stores were not open on Sunday. Right, right. I, I <laughs> you, love, yeah. It wasn't just that you didn't get the mail on Sunday. Uh, right. Remember the mail? There, there was a, a concept. But, but yeah, stores right. weren't open. Everyone, I, I went to Catholic church, but, you know, the South was quite religious. Everyone went to church. You had you 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 were very unlikely. I mean, maybe the Seven Eleven would be open, but nothing else. And it was sort of the way it was. And then creeping thing, you know, event by event, change by change, it became to where it was blurred and there was no difference. Um, I often say that uh, civilization is going to die by convenience, and and. That's what happened was I, I need to be able to get to a store on Sunday. How, how, this is crazy. And, and so it's, again, it's not, you, you were saying, you know, it's an ancient Jewish tradition, which it is, but the Sabbath was also a tradition in my family and it was a tradition in, um, yeah. in, in, in most, America. Co- in America. I mean, um, America was, um, this, um, writer, Judith Shulvitz, proposed that the Puritans came to America because they wanted to observe a more pure Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, so. it was a, str- it was a big part of our country and, and then it, it's almost disappeared from almost every different culture. I mean, everyone has seen version of days of rest or time of rest on um, the native Americans, this, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, and but what you'll really find is anyone does it anymore. And so how do you bring these rituals back? I mean, you can call it whatever you want, and if your faith has it and you believe in a faith, I mean, I'm more on the agnostic mm-hmm. side of things, mm-hmm. whatever you need to, however you need to frame it, but we need to bring it back. Because it was great value in that idea that you're not available 24-7. It's not healthy. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's <laughs> the big idea that we each can do on our own, and as you say, one, it breaks the cycle, two, it gives us a chance for deep thinking, for uh, what Cal Newport talks about, deep work. It's a different way of focusing your attention, and it's something mm-hmm. it's something that we need that kind of rich, deep, present thinking and observation now because clearly bouncing around our attention around the way we are is not working for us again that is exactly right yeah the book is 24 6 the power of unplugging one day a week the website is tiffanyschlain.com for this conversation and many other interviews articles transcripts of interviews and to join me in pursuit of a world that just might work go to terrencemcnally.net T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E-M-C-N-A-L-L-Y dot net or a world that just might work dot com to the same website. If you want to receive my weekly email announcement telling you who's going to be on what we're going to talk about and usually eight to ten articles to kind of flesh out the conversation, uh, you can sign up at my site or email me at T-E-McNally at Mac dot com. 
You can also subscribe and listen to the Freeform Podcast on iTunes and many other podcast sites. Uh, you can find years of podcasts at my site. That's, you know, Michael Lewis, Jeremy Scahill, Naomi Klein, Robert Reich, Van Jones, Connie Rice. You can follow me on Twitter at McNally Terrence. Thanks to uh, George Vassilopoulos at Progressive Voices. Most of all, you, my listeners, please share this podcast widely. And finally, thank you, Tiffany Schlein, and keep up your good work. Oh, it's so great talking to you again. Really, really enjoyed all, all of your insights. Nine one one, what's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken and people are dying. Welcome to Code Whack, where we shine a light on America's callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. This time on Code Whack. In honor of Pride Month, we're examining the pivotal role the LGBTQ community has played in advocating for healthcare reform. Is it just a coincidence that most of California's single-payer bills have been introduced by lawmakers in the LGBTQ community? How can we further galvanize the community around this life-saving issue? To find out, we spoke to Michael Lighty, president of the Healthy California Now Coalition and former constituency director of Bernie 2020. Is it just a coincidence that most of California's single-payer bills have been introduced by lawmakers in the LGBTQ community? It's not a coincidence. Senator Sheila Kuehl, a former L.A. County supervisor, and Senator Scott Weiner. These are people who understand the lessons of AIDS, who understand that the LGBTQ community has to have guaranteed universal health care, or it's not going to happen, or it's going to be just a hugely difficult fight. And discrimination, I mean, now in Florida, any doctor can basically deny care to an LGBTQ person, just for no reason, just because they don't want to, right? And so in any kind of system that doesn't guarantee health care and demands culturally competent, equitable care that's non-discriminatory is not going to be a system that works for LGBTQ people. Thank you, Michael Lighty. Get the full Code Wax story on ProgressiveVoices.com and on the PV app. Catch all our episodes by subscribing to Code Wax wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is powered by Heal California, a nonprofit that uplifts the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. Until next time, Stay healthy. Hey, it's Stephanie Miller. Here's what we're talking about. Don't you feel like God wa- loves us and wants us to have nice things? Sure. Allison Gill's on the show today. According to a lot of legal experts, today might be a indictment. I mean, would it be fantastic I if he gets why. indicted for the classified documents during our show? Haven't they, Speaking of braves. Haven't they called on a few other people to um, to testify? Wow. Wow, I don't know. Before that happens. Holy, Lordy, there are tapes about everything. About everything. I need so many tapes. Did he, like, intend to incriminate himself? I, that's always the question. I think it's ego. He was bragging to an author about, look what I have right here. Right. I've got a top secret document. Right. That he knows he can't declassify, and he knows he shouldn't have. It's all there. It's all on tape. That's all ego. That's pure. Talk about Nixon on steroids. Like, everything's on tape. I can get away with it. Chris, who said, uh, I think, uh, Trump, I Uh think they have their foot on his neck. Who said that? Snagglepuss. No. Former Trump lawyer, Ty Cobb, on the recording. Not the baseball guy. No. No. That guy's dead. Yeah, of Trump discussing classified documents. Um, Who said, busted. All we're waiting for is the indictment. Absolutely blockbuster evidence. Stunned experts say Doc's recording is game over for Donald Trump. Who said that? Uh, 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 Big gay out. No. Richard Painter. 
We were wondering the relative temperature of the goose this morning. His goose is cooked here. Yeah. Oh, 185. That's the cooked goose. Pardon me? 185. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Wow. Um, so I, I love this because his defense is always, I know you are, but one of mine. Right. Mm-hmm. He is wondering if those who leaked information about him from the DOJ will be investigated or prosecuted. For sure. You're criming. Yeah. Not the crime, but the person that's out of the crime. Right. Right. Find the Stephanie Miller Show every Monday through Friday at 9 to noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific, right here on Progressive Voices. Progressive Voices desperately need your financial help. Please go to ProgressiveVoices.com and press the donate button right now. Thank you.